That song was amazing right there. I'm grateful for the change in lyrics. We give ourselves away so you can use us. So helpful to, to think of ourselves collectively, isn't it? It's something that uh, we talked about this weekend uh, with Michael Burns here, but we've talked about it previous to that. It's, we live in a culture that stresses the I more than the we, right? So, but we read a Bible that, that really does stress the we so much more than we do in our culture. So it's so helpful. Thank you for that worship team. And uh, so I'm excited. I'm in a good mood. Yeah, I'm in a good mood. I might really go after y'all today because you can't, you know. I ain't got nothing to lose now. I'm good. You want to know why I'm in a good mood? I mean, I had a date with my wife last night, and she's amazing. I mean, she's an amazing person. We actually had a walk. We had a walk before that. Perfect fall day, you know what I'm saying, yesterday. And we saw these two, like, red-tailed hawks. Like, you know how it was gl they glide, you know, and, the, and they were, like, making these passes kind of. We felt like some kind of, it was speaking to us, you know. <laughs> I was like me and, me and my wife, we, you know, you know, hanging out. It was, a, it was a beautiful time, beautiful night. I'm in a good mood, so I'm going after you today. Amen. <laughs> no, it's okay. If you're visiting with us, uh, if you're online with us, we're grateful to have you. Uh, we hope that this can be a place where you can grow spiritually. We hope you can meet people and uh, develop great, strong relationships and uh, really get to know God and get to know Jesus and get to understand what it means to, to learn and live by the Spirit of God. And uh, so we really hope that this can be that type of environment for you. And uh, we're having a series that we just started last week. And it's, it's about deconstruction, which is something that so many people are already doing, have already done. And one of the reasons why we wanted to do a series like this is because we wanted to really kind of destigmatize things like this and, and normalize what is deconstruction all about? Honestly, it's really about reassessing and reevaluating kind of your faith. Um, and I think if we're, if we're not careful, we can, we can make that a bad thing all of a sudden. Uh, guys, it's normal. All right? We're going to grow, we're going to mature, and we're going to reassess things. That's okay. Uh, we, wanna, we want this to be a place where we can grow together. And when we have the space to be able to, to look at our faith and, uh, and just say, hey, you know, what do I really believe <laughs> and why? So that you can live more fully from the fullness of your heart, you know, and with deeper and deeper conviction. And so that's the spirit of this series. It's, it's not destruction of the faith. I want to keep saying that. That's not what the series is. It's not faith destruction. It's a, it's a, re, it's a reconstruction, hopefully after a deconstruction, right? You know? You know, maybe, let me think this through. Let me reassess. Let me reevaluate. Hey, I've gone through some stuff. Now I'm coming out on the other side. Let me reconstruct a faith that I can live, live into with all my heart. That's the, that's the heart behind it. Um, and so hopefully this morning, you know, we can dive into to some stories and scriptures that really happened, and uh, we can learn from them. So let's go to God in prayer. Lord, I pray that we can uh, collectively just give ourselves away and just... Uh, really realize that it's a privilege to be able to know about you, to have a relationship with you. It's a privilege to sit in a place like this, to sing songs that we've already sung, and uh, to really experience this together. And Lord, I, I know that people are in so many different places in this room, and so I just pray that whatever is shared this morning, Lord, that uh, I can get out of the way, and it can really be more about you 
and, and your word and what you're trying to do uh, in this world. So please help us to, to realize that our faith is valuable. It's, it's very valuable. And, uh, and Lord, you, you really call us to, to live a life of faith in, in, in who you are and who Jesus is and what his spirit is doing. And uh, Father, help us not to succumb to the, to the values and the culture of the world around us and adopt their ways of viewing this world. But help us to keep centered with Jesus. Keep him at the center of all our deconstructing and reconstructing. And uh, help us do that even this morning. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. So um, let's see if this works. Yeah, cool. Um, we talked about seven types of this deconstruction. Uh, this morning I get the fun topics of disillusionment, yes, and disassociation. Michael Burns made a joke like we made him do the hard lesson last week. I'm like, dude, you want to do disillusionment, bro? You know, which, which one you want to do? So this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about disillusionment. And uh, anybody ever felt disillusioned in this world, right? Again, this is normal. We have got to normalize some of these moments. There are times in life when you discover that something is not as good as you believed it to be. That is a normal part of life. Oh, and if it's not a something, it's a someone. You know what I'm saying? And you're thinking, yeah, Jeff, actually, I was thinking about you. You know, <laughs> when you let me down, I, it happens, right? These, these are normal moments in a, in a life that we live, right? And so I wanted to look at some uh, a passage that I, to me is almost like the go-to, how do you not read about what it means to be disillusioned. And I think if we look at it, I hope that we can learn some things from it. Um, we're going to look at a few stories today, and I'm going to try not to talk too fast, but I'm going to go after it. All right, let's go. You ready to open up your Bible? And I'm not going to put the scripture up there. I'm just going to put like the big, you know, bam, you can turn it into the Bible. So I'm using paper Bible today. We are going to, somebody likes the paper Bible. Amen. Luke 24. What is the setting of Luke 24 that we're going to read? Jesus has already been crucified. Very discouraging, obviously, for the people that followed him and believed that he was someone unique and special. This was a devastating moment. Talk about someone you believed in and then having all of, the, all of it dashed. And so these two people are walking away from Jerusalem. They, they were there. They saw him crucified. And now they're, they're kind of, man, they're, they're not doing well. Uh, verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with him. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? What, what, what things? He asked. <laughs> About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful indeed, in word and deed before God and all the people. And then the chief priests and, the, and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. So this is the spirit that they have. Downcast faces, they're discouraged, they're disillusioned. They believed in Jesus. They, they saw what they saw. They heard what he said. And, but the Bible says that they were 
walking and talking with each other. This is something that we got to get on really good. We need each other to process disillusionment because our tendency is when we feel let down by someone or something, we get inward and think that we're going to figure it out ourselves. And I think this is very instructive that they were walking together and they were discussing what happened. So they were being honest about what they were feeling. Maybe there was self, maybe there was even self-hatred. I don't know. Like, how could we fall for that? Wow, man, I mean, we, dude, I thought he was going to be the one. Like, what were we thinking? I mean, he's, he's just a carpenter. We're like, wow. I mean, who knows what they were thinking, but at least they're getting it out and they're talking with each other. Um, you know, we were, uh, some of the ministers, we were at in Gwinnett and Fenton, uh, the, one of the preachers out there who leads one of the churches, he was saying that when they said, when, but we had hoped, he said the worst thing, what's worse than we had hoped is I had hoped. And it's just the power of at least having somebody that you can walk together with. Disillusionment is normal. Please find people that you can trust to walk with you and talk about it as you go. All right. Even if you're not headed, quote unquote, in the quote unquote right direction, they have left you. They're walking. They're like, man, we're done. At least they're talking and they have an audience with each other and the other person's not putting them down. Right. We need to be that for each other. Right. And instead of putting people in the category of, oh, they're unspiritual, they're just, uh, you need to have more faith. Oh my gosh. No. Why don't you walk with them and talk? And ask some questions instead of just judging. You know what I mean? Let's, let's be in an environment like that, right? And, um, you know, and so, and, and, then, and then this is the other part they say. So they, we had hoped he was the one. And what is more, it is the third day since this took place. So they've been stewing in this for three days. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. So they were probably talking about this too. Like, man, he died. But those women said that they saw a vision. He's alive. Man, you can't trust no women, man. You know you can't trust the women. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, that must not be true, I guess. That's how it was back then in some ways, right? So they're talking about this. And then notice this person who is a stranger to them. Remember, at this moment, this, who, this guy is walking next to him. They don't know this guy. So look what comes out of his mouth. How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken, exclamation point. <laughs> Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And we might go, Jesus, that was a little harsh, bro. <laughs> I mean, they're disillusioned, they're processing, and you calling them foolish and but think about it you know what Jesus does here he challenges their thinking he's not afraid to challenge their thinking but what does he use as his metric or rubric or his standard it's it's God's word really it's the scriptures it's the worldview of of the word that's what he's using here's what we run into problems with we get disillusioned in the church or whatever, and you know what we start doing? We start going out into the world trying to get wisdom out there. And then we go, yeah, let me use the wisdom from out here to critique the church now. Let me, let me go ahead and use the values, the belief systems, the structures out here to critique what's going on in here. 
That's when you get in trouble right there. This world ain't got the wisdom that God's got. You know, and so here, what I see here, what I appreciate, and I want to learn how to model it with Jesus, walk with people, even if they're walking in the wrong direction, even if they're talking and they haven't figured it out yet, and even if they're kind of on the negative end of figuring it out, why don't you ask them some questions? Walk with them. He didn't blow them out of the water the first thing out of his mouth. He got them talking. But then when he did decide to challenge their thinking, which is okay, it's okay to get your thinking challenged. He used the scriptures. He used the word. He used the, the, the worldview of, of God and the Bible to critique their thinking. Let us be those types of people. That is what true deconstruction needs to look like, is a walking with one another in a non-judgmental moment, and the Bible is the standard. To me, that's healthy deconstruction, you know? And, um, and then, of course, they sit down. And uh, well, before that, this is what also I love, right? Jesus is going to pretend like he, 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 he kind of gives them a little rebuke, and then he's going to keep walking. And then the Bible says, they stopped, and they say, hey, man, where are you going, man? It's late, you know? Come on and eat. Man, man, come on, let's, let's go grab a burrito, man. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> and, and you think about it, again, this is a guy that is a stranger to them. <laughs> they didn't even know this guy, first of all. Then he challenges them. But guess what? They're still hospitable to him. They welcome the stranger. That was a teaching of Jesus. You welcome the stranger. That's hospitality. That was, a, that was actually a good cultural thing that they had as well. Welcoming the stranger. That's hospitality. You know, what we, I, I really think we got to grow and also is our kind of spiritual and intellectual hospitality. Do we welcome kind of different ideas? Are we hospitable to different ideas? To people that have the ideas that are different than ours, right? Because Jesus, this stranger, challenged their thinking, but they were still willing to offer hospitality. And I think we can grow in that too. Let us be the type of people that can welcome the stranger ideas or the different ideas. At least sit with them in a non-judgmental way and, and then let the word be the standard that we judge it all by. Right? That to me is the culture of deconstruction that we need around here. You know, and hopefully we can keep growing in that. Um, I'm going to keep moving because there's another passage I want to look at. I originally was not going to look at this passage, but we're going to do it because I think it's helpful to me. Acts chapter 9. This is something else I think we can, we can grow in, all of us, me include all of us together. Acts chapter 9. We know the concept, salt, well, we, some of us don't know. I, I shouldn't assume that. Some people are new to the Bible, and we're grateful that you're here. But this guy, Saul... He was a very high-ranking religious leader, and he did not agree with what these Christ followers were doing. He thought the Christians were actually representative of blasphemy. I mean, they, they were just, they were dangerous, and their, their, their beliefs were needed to be just ferreted out and eradicated. And he had the type A personality, and he was going to deal with these people, and he had been dealing with them. And so this guy Saul is, is murderous. I mean, I mean, he's just threatening the Christians and trying to find out where they are so he can deal with them. So that's this guy. And so he's walking along and all of a sudden Jesus shows up and, you know, boom, and knocks him to the ground. You know, he's on the ground. And then notice, notice what, uh, verse 4, what, what he says. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now there's a lot of theology in that word me. If you think about it. There's a lot of theology in that word me. Why, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Because who was Saul persecuting, though? 
the Christians. Jesus says, yeah, that's me. And in case you didn't get it, if you didn't get the hint, after Saul kind of, I think he's, tr- he's tracking a little bit. Who are you, Lord? You know, like, oof. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It's not, <laughs> you messing with my people, you messing with me because that's my body. That's my body. That is the expression of who I am. That is the representation of me. I have physically, not, I have physically gone to a different place and I have left in my spirit, but that is, <laughs> hey, you're, you're messing with me when you're messing with that church. There's some good, there's some good theology in there if you really want to allow it to, to be there. Saul gets up from this experience. He can't see. Bible says he has to be led by the hand. This proud guy, now he's led by the hand. This guy that totally knew he was right. He knew he was right. He could not be convinced he was wrong. Now, let's see who we meet. Who we meet next in verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. Ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying in a vision. He has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias said, I need to help you out because you obviously are not in the know. (laughs) I have heard many reports about this dude and he, all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He has come here to my town, Damascus, with authority from the chief priest to arrest all on who we call on your name. This is an enemy of ours. God, you, you, you don't understand. He is an enemy, and I know I'm right. I'm right. I, you could not convince Ananias he's wrong about Saul. So you got blind Saul who's going, wait a minute, all that I have lived upon, every scripture I've ever read, everything I've ever memorized, all my prayers, all my sacrifices point to Jesus I was, I was wrong. That can't, be, that, that can't be true. Jesus is the fulfillment of all my scriptures? I, I, how could I be so wrong? That's what, that's what Saul's trying to figure out. Is he blind, right? And here's Ananias. Why is God sending me to this guy? He is, what if he takes me out when I walk in the door? Ananias walks in the house. What is the first word out of his mouth to Saul? What does it say? What does it say? Brother. Brother. Oh. Imagine what Saul must have felt to hear that. He hadn't seen any, any and immediately he can, he can see now. Brother. Ananias needed Saul. He needed Saul to actually experience what God meant, love your enemies. (laughs) Saul needed Ananias. He did. He needed Ananias to represent, you know what? This is what it means to be loved unconditionally. This is what it it means to, to still be accepted even though you've messed up. Why can't the church be more like that? Right? 
And hey, I, I think we are in a lot of ways, but I think we can grow too. Because guess what? Sometimes you are wrong about stuff. And that is okay. Stop trying to be perfect about everything and not admit it. Sometimes we got to admit that we were wrong. It is a normal part of life. And sometimes in the church, it seems like we have to project this perfect, we are the perfect church, we have everything figured out, you know. No, we don't. I'll never forget one of those early parenting workshops, and they're talking about, you know, when you mess up with your kids, you know, you need to go and apologize. <laughs> I'm thinking, let me go through the Rolodex of my experience. I love my mom, but she wasn't following Jesus uh, <laughs> when she was raising me as a single mom. I didn't get too many of those talks about how she did something wrong, right? And, and, and so I just remember, like, that, I don't understand. Like, wow, that's, whew. I mean, I got the concept, but woof. And then, of course, when I lost my temper with my kids, right, you know, raised my voice, sinful, sinful. I, I blew it. And, I, you know, and it's not like I only done it once. I mean, unfortunately, I wish I could say I only did it once. <laughs> I wish that could be true, but I have, I, have, I have had to walk into that room and go, you know what? That's on me. I'm sorry. Right? I, I lost my temper. That was wrong. And then, will you forgive me? What in the world? I got to ask <laughs> this joke. I got to ask her to forgive me. But no, you know, will you forgive me? Yeah, dad. Yeah, okay. You know. But wow, the power in that. You know, but I know there's a lot of folks that, some of us, we just don't want to admit that we're wrong sometimes. Um, we're going to mess people's faith up if we can't admit that we're wrong. And Saul was wrong about the church, right? Those guys to Emmaus, they were wrong about what happened. Sometimes you are going to be wrong. Galatians chapter 2 is another moment, right, where, where there's some wrong thinking. Peter is eating with the Gentiles, the, right, because they had become Christians. Amen. Victory for God. Peter's kicking it with them. They're eating burritos together, right? They, who knows? I don't think they were eating BLTs. I think Peter kept it, you know, kosher maybe. But at least he was hanging out with the Gentiles. And they're kicking it up. And they're like, wow, isn't this great what, G what Jesus has brought together? This is amazing. But then some people that were in Jerusalem, because in their thinking, they had not processed that these people, you know, if they haven't been circumcised, these men, then they're really not right. They still had that thinking in their head. And so they come into town, and Peter is, you know, hanging out with the Gentiles, and all of a sudden, Peter starts distancing himself from the Gentiles so that he can ingratiate himself to these, you know, kind of circumcision group people. He was, a, he was feeling a little kind of caught in between, but he kind of showed his true allegiance. I don't want to seem like I'm doing something that's kind of wrong, so, you know, and you know what the Bible says? <laughs> what is Galatians 2? Paul, he never changed kind of some things about his character. My man was always cranking type A straight up in your grill. My man said in verse, uh, verse right, uh, he said in verse 11, when Cephas, which is another name for Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. 
because he stood condemned. I opposed him to his face. Wow. And in verse 14, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. You see, there it is. That was the measuring standard. You are not acting in accordance with what Jesus taught. That is not something Jesus would have done. Imagine the, 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 imagine the damage that could have done. Peter walked with Jesus. Peter was like the main guy for Jesus. Peter is hanging with these new Gentile converts. They probably felt like, I mean, wow, man, we are hanging with an apostle. Wow, like, wow. And then when Peter just, imagine how they felt. They, could, they were probably hurt. Like, what, what, what is wrong? Was there something wrong with us? Or Peter doesn't like, you know, and, and, then, and then the anger, probably the bitter, like, I thought you were supposed to be spiritual. And you walk with Jesus, and you still mess. You still, you have, I'm bitter. You hurt my feelings. And you're supposed to be a leader in this church. That wasn't right how you treated us. That could have that been a totally normal response from these people. Right? And then they could have looked at the dynamic. Wait a minute. So you got these people in the church leadership, and they think that you got to be circumcised first if you're, in order to be a Christian. But then Paul says you don't have to be. I mean, you mean, you mean the church leaders don't agree on every single thing every single time? <laughs> Disillusionment for some. That must mean something's wrong in the church. Something's wrong. Is that what it really means? Or do we walk together... <laughs> talk to each other, and process things. Because over time, those guys were like, you know what? We don't think you need to be circumcised. Too. But they needed the space to get to that place. Okay? But it did take a challenging of their thinking, <laughs> using the gospel as the standard. And then they were able to reconstruct a faith that said, you know, you don't need to do that. We were actually wrong about that. This is the way it works, all right? So, in my last few minutes, um, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I have been grateful to be a minister of this church. And I was a minister at a, a sister church in California, like 10 years before coming here. Uh, and like I've shared many times, I went into the full-time ministry on my one-year spiritual birthday. Um, not an intern. I'm talking full-on preach Wednesday night, Sundays. I look back and go, what in the world was that? That was crazy. Um, and so there were many moments where I felt at that time, right, this is the 90s, okay, and I'm in my 20s and I'm unmarried and I'm trying. I was still trying to figure out what I was, what I believed in. My, my, all my convictions weren't even fully developed, even close. I'm one year in the faith. And there were moments when I kind of felt like I'm supposed to tell these people this, but I don't, I don't, even, know if I, I don't even know if I can really back that up. I don't even know if I... Being in that, that was funky at times. And I'll never forget my boy Earl. Da, you remember Earl, Donnell. You were there. You remember Earl. Uh, Earl was a good dude. Earl was a good dude. Earl would give you the shirt off his back. He was just a chill dude, play basketball, kick it, hang out dude. And, you know, 
became a Christian. It was cool. We, you know, we're just kicking it, being friends. And I'll never forget. He's like, Jeff, man, I need to talk to you. Yeah, man, let's, let's kick it. We sit down at this, at this uh, park bench thing in Hermosa Beach. And we sat down. He's like, man, I, I, I just can't do I just can't keep coming to this church no more. I was like, well, what's up, man? What, what's, what's going on? Man, I thought we were. He's like, man, I just can't seem to knock it. Because every time I hear we are God's modern-day movement. Like, why, are, are we, why do we have to be the movement? Like, why do we say that we're the only possible way God can use anybody on this earth? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I, I just, you know, it was one of those moments, like, I know what I'm supposed to say. That's, this is my thinking. I'm not trying to put anybody else on the bus. I just felt like I was supposed to say, well, you know, there's one church, and, you know, we're it. <laughs> you know, no other no other people have ever figured out anything we, but we figured it out like, that's what I felt like I was supposed to say I honestly I don't know what I said but I but I know Earl left and I've never seen him again and, 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 I, and I, I know I know that much and I know the text that I got when I asked around some people, like, hey, give me your experience with deconstructing. I know the text I got last week from somebody that's a member of this church. I, I'm not going to read the text, and I'm not going to, you know, give away, but who brought that up? You know, do we believe that? Yeah. Who referenced people that she knew that no longer come to church because they, she specifically said they were trying to work through it, but felt like this wasn't a place where they could. And when they brought it up, felt like they didn't get the response, and so they were gone. So that was last week I got the text. I'm telling you a story from 20-some years ago. And so right now, what I'm trying to make clear, we don't think that we're the only place God can do something. Okay? Clear the air. Clear the air. Okay? But here's the deal. Here's the deal. How many of you maybe held a thought or a belief when you were like 18 or 17 or 16 that right now you no longer hold? Is that, is that fair? To, so if you accept it in yourself, you need to extend the same grace to the collective church. All right? You need to figure that out. All right? And so all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, we have to give each other the space to process stuff. To, to maybe, maybe we've emphasized certain things a little more and some things a little less and all that. But, but the answer to me, and I appreciate Matt Odenweller up here a couple weeks ago. He's like, man, I think there's a lot of things that could change about this church. But you know what? He's like, I'm still here. I love, I love, I love the church. Don't expect perfection from the church. Don't expect somebody to have a belief now and then 30 years later be in the exact same place. That's actually scary. I hope we're growing, maturing, looking at things a little differently. And hopefully we have the ability to kind of talk and walk together, ask each other questions and use the scriptures as the guide, but realize that maybe our interpretation of those scriptures might change a little and we have to figure that out. But not shun and put people in these shamed corners 
because they don't believe the exact same thing we believe. And we have this twisted view of the scripture. Well, we have to all believe the exact same thing because that's what the Bible says. Then, wow, that's impossible. Right. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It didn't even happen in the scripture. So let's slow our roll on that, all right? Yeah. All right. And so, and so I, I think as I close, as I close, the last concept that I put up there was, was disassociation. And the big picture concept of that is you basically separate something from something else. All I'm saying is, this is what, a lot of, this is what has hurt a lot of people, is that we have pre- sometimes in the past, I'm not saying North River, I'm just saying in general, maybe North River, I don't know. We have bundled with the gospel message <laughs> some other teachings that are maybe more cultural yeah. and maybe not core. Right. But it can be presented in such a way that you have to kind of believe this cultural thing or else you can't really be with us. Okay? So some people, what they're trying to do, and we need to give them the space, is to figure out, hey, what, what are some of these teachings maybe about this or that that maybe I, don't, maybe I need to kind of take it out and look at it and reassess it? Because it's not, it's not core. It's not Jesus, Son of God, crucified, rose again, coming back. It's something else. So let's let people at least figure stuff out. And walk with them. Ask them questions. And challenge their thinking. And when you get your thinking challenged, don't be all mad and bitter. (laughs) Be humble. Right? And if we can do that together, oh, man, imagine what the Spirit will teach us over time, right? And so that's what I wanted to share. You know, if, if you have been hurt by me, I'm sorry. By any church, you know, I just, hey, you know what? I apologize on behalf of whatever happened. I don't want to belittle or minimize. But no but, all I can say is we hope that this is a place where you can feel like you can walk, doubt, question, and still be loved through it all. You know what I'm saying? So that's what we're hoping for. This is the time where I uh, do exactly what Matt said don't do, but we're going to take the Lord's Supper pretty soon here. And, uh, but we are going to take the Lord's Supper, and uh, we're gonna, I'm going to say a prayer, and then the ushers will help you out if you need that. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we just uh, want to be humble as we come to you and express to you our gratitude that you have lavished your love on all of us. We especially appreciate the immense patience that you've shown each one of us. You've extended so much mercy to us when we have fallen short and made mistakes and sinned against you, but you, your, your love is so amazing. And we, we remember that moment. We remember, we remember Jesus on the cross. We remember him resurrected. We remember his teachings. <laughs> we remember the meaningful interactions that we've had with one another and, and really thinking about the power of Jesus. And we are grateful for that. And we take this bread and we, we drink of this juice in remembrance of him and in gratitude. And in his name we pray. Amen. <clears throat>